Welcome to the Talking Solutions with the Chesh podcast. I'm your host, William Cheshire. Join me in learning about optimistic solutions to some of society's problems as we interview entrepreneurs, small business owners, and employees, among others, working to provide solutions and bring positivity into the world. It's another edition of the Talking Solutions podcast, and in this episode, we're diving into a topic that I personally find really, really interesting and something that I think has a bigger impact on Earth, society, and everything than we kind of think, and that has to do with food, quality of food, local farming, and cooking as well. And that brings us to the founder of Culinaire, Miss Jody Frank, joining us on this edition of the podcast. And Jody, how are you today? I am doing really well. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it very much. What a pleasure This is, is a big topic. It's it's actually something that I think we all take for granted. Yeah, and I just don't think people quite understand how connected it really is as well. So let's uh let's start educating a little bit, shall we, Jody? Tell yeah. us tell us a little bit about uh, Colinear and what it does and what its purpose serves and why it's such a great solution for society. Okay. So to start with, I'd like to talk about who our customer is, our primary customer. There are 2 million farmers who sell direct to consumer. I don't think a lot of people realize that. It's a huge, huge market um, where young, a lot of young farmers who are educated and tech savvy and aware of the issues surrounding our food and sustainability issues are going into farming to practice regenerative farming and to, to solve you know, some of the big global issues we have, you know, food security, um, or food insecurity, climate change, and and the quality of the nutrition in our food. So, and the cool thing is, while there's a lot of science that's being engineered for carbon capture, or you know, trying to come up with new ways, new new proteins in the world, this this is using Mother Earth's really important, smart. Um, way more knows more than we do, uh, ability to heal themselves and to provide for us. And so by going back, making everything old, what was used to be old, new again, um, we can change this in five to 10 years, a huge impact within five to 10 years, just by making regenerative farming more of a, a regular practice. So that's, that's what our, that's who our customer is that um, we're built culinary for. And they, what we're doing is we're allowing them, we're not allowing them, we're giving them tools to service their customers better because 93% of consumers want to buy local and direct, but they try it and they don't know what to do. And they look to the farmer and the farmer isn't a chef, isn't a, an educator, they're a farmer. And so they need support. They need tools like every business to support that customer so that this whole thing can work. It's one thing to grow the food this way. It's another thing for consumers to buy it this way, but then to actually make this a successful shift from what we've known as a convenience and throwaway society to more regenerative practices. Absolutely love it. And there are so many questions and so many things we could deep dive into regenerative farming when it comes to soil practices, what is regenerative farming, so many different things uh, regarding that space. Agritech, you mentioned technology and people get into agritech. I mean, there's a there's a word for it now. You know, people are 
in the tech space trying to dive into that a bit as well. But uh, Jody, before we really get into the roots of, of kind of that problem and, and the solution and ways that we can solve that a little bit, I, I'd love to know more about your direct platform itself. I know it's where local farmers and home cooks connect. You touched on that a little bit as well. But tell us just a little bit about how your app works, both as a farmer and as a home cook and ways that people can connect in the community feel and, and everything uh, about the platform in and of itself and how people can access it. Right. So most small businesses will use things like MailChimp or Constant Contact or HubSpot to have that communication thread to their customer. But in farming and cooking, it's not enough because we can't just send emails and reminders. It's We really need to have a platform where people can learn to cook with local food because it's really different than cooking with what's in the grocery store. Right now in the United States and a lot of the Western countries, if you go to the grocery store, you want to make a, a recipe. It can be anything at any time of year. It could be the most springiest product in the middle of winter, and you'll be able to get those ingredients. And so shifting to local food, to things that are in season, things that are fresh and not flown from, you know, halfway around the world requires us to shift how we cook. And the other thing is for the last 50 to 70 years, we've been packaging stuff. There are a lot of kids today that don't even know what, the regular uh, veg, like a cabbage looks like if it's not shredded and put in a bag. So people have, haven't been exposed to raw food and they don't know what to do with it when they are. So what Culinaire does is we bridge that gap with a platform that allows people to teach each other, the farmers. We have, we even have professional chefs that are creating recipes and providing content to help people learn how to cook. And really, um, it's just doing what people did years and years and years ago, that, you know, generations ago, where you teach your neighbor and teach your, your mom would teach you how to cook with whatever's in season. And if you had an abundance of zucchini or tomatoes, how to put it away so that you had it over the winter. And instead of, I'm going to go buy one zucchini which is a summer vegetable, but I'm going to buy it in February and I'm going to make it on the grill or where I'm going to, where I'm going to do whatever I want with it. You know, when you buy local, you're getting an abundance at one time. So zucchini is very proliferous in the Northeast. And so how do we do, what do we deal with that? So we don't waste the food so we can use what we have when it's local in season and it's peak of nutrition. And then how do we set it aside for later so that we have stuff when they're, you know, it's winter and we don't have a lot of stuff growing. So Culinaire, let me answer the question, I guess. That's the, the framework of it. Culinaire really is an app. So it's an app that's a community. So it's kind of like taking Facebook and a recipe app, putting it together and allowing people to connect to, to in, in a local everywhere way. So we have these local communities around farms. We have local communities, you know, that can bubble up and help each other and be have fun and, and feel like you're part of that part of that community instead of just going to the store and buying something coming home and being very isolated it's an encouragement of the local produce as you mentioned encouraging local communities local food nutrition sources things of that nature as well and then of course what i love about the platform is that you know home cooks can connect and share recipes and you know the that's going to really help 
the farmers out as well, right? Because they don't have the time and resource to do all that. So it's just kind of like that missing piece that I think isn't in some of the other platforms as well that kind of try to connect local farming to uh, to home cooks. Yeah. I mean, in, so when we started working with farmers, we stumbled into this. I did not start with this idea. I started you know, just trying to solve my own pain of everything I needed to make dinner, you know, my recipes, whatever, the grocery list, everything I needed was disconnected and fragmented. And I, I looked, I did not find anything that really served the needs, especially like I call my mom. Hey mom, can you send me that? I can't find the recipe for Pasca. We'll come up to Easter. So Pasca, which is an Easter bread from Eastern Europe, which is where I'm from. My family's from. Um, I mean, I, I think every year I have to call her for that recipe. And so this, that was part of it. It was like, can we share these recipes in a collaborative cookbook? And so that helps the farmer, that helps, you know, local groups of people, friends, family, whoever can use this to, to have that kind of engagement. And then when we found this issue with the farming and the community, we're like, this is perfect. And I can't not use culinary to help perpetuate success in this in this area because we need to. It's really super important that we fix this. We've really messed up our food system as a human race. And, um, you know, with chemicals, uh, you know, by talking about soil health, and I don't want to jump ahead. So, uh, but talk about soil health. So uh, regenerative farming basically means that you're not um, using the practices that were put in place by the government in the fifties, where we, we started to use chemicals to grow rapid, you know, fast growth. It depleted the soil. It's messed up our water system. Um, we're eating chemicals that we don't even know that we're eating. Um, it just, everything was to feed more of the world, but it really didn't work. I mean, it's, it's been a failure. And it wasn't because we were trying to do something, the government was trying to do something terrible to us. They really thought that they could do better if we could like engineer our food system with, you know, using fertilizer or especially synthetic fertilizers that are made from oil. I mean, it doesn't make sense. So regenerative farming stops that. What they do is they use cover crops and they don't till as much and they use um, a balance, like, like the whole ecosystem with your, you're using livestock and you're growing and the and you're you're building the soil up, which is cool because if we could build our soil up by just three percent, which these farmers are really working toward, um, we can cool the earth, and we'll have more nutritionally dense food, and we'll have less greenhouse gas gases. It's amazing just by allowing the the uh, the, the the natural cycle of, you know, microbiomes and food and big, you know, big animals all to work the way they were intended to work together. The system knows how to take care of itself and to provide for us. So we need to kind of get out of its way. And that's what regenerative farmers do. They steward the land and they provide great food as a byproduct. And I want to be part of their success. That's that's what culinary is all about now. Love it. Yeah. I mean, regenerative farming is, you know, and it's it's an educational thing as well, right? Because I think a, a large part of what gets pushed in the mainstream media and things of that nature as well is that just you can't do anything when it comes to farming or a livestock or agriculture. Oh, it's bad. Greenhouse gas, terrible. Factory farming for sure is a big culprit of that. 
but local farming and regenerative farming practices. And the local farmer gets really gets supplanted throughout the U.S., just speaking there, right? You have these big conglomerates that are taking over, buying out these small farmers, particularly in the Midwest and things of that nature. And then all they care about are profits, unfortunately, at this point. Uh, hopefully that changes. But then, of course, they push out exactly everything that you've been saying, the chemicals, pushing away the local farmer, and they're just more about mass quantity and production for profit purposes, which, you know, obviously isn't ideal. But what I love about the regenerative farming as well and the local is that there are so many benefits to it. And I want to talk about just all those benefits kind of in one just brief summary type things, because I don't think people quite realize. I mean, we've heard it a little bit throughout what you said, but I mean, you're talking about environmental benefits, economic benefits. You're talking about individual well-being benefits, you know, I mean, the community benefits. There are just so many different benefits of that local farming, regenerative farming practices and things of that nature as well. So if you could just do us the the honor and the favor of kind of listing off some of like all those benefits that you get, you know, don't need to go too into detail, but just so people kind of can understand like, all of it that kind of goes into it. The desert, desert, I can't say this, desertification of our soil. So if you look in Africa, I think we, if um, I, I wish I was, I wish I was the scientist behind this so I could give more specifics, but I sat in a um, biomimicry, class, biomimicry session at one of the sustainable agriculture courses of conferences. And um, the guy that was talking said that in Nigeria, when they started finding that Nigerian coffee was very popular and very economically beneficial to the country, they started growing the coffee and um, they would cut clear-cut forests so that they could have more room for the coffee. And then they also weren't growing as much for their population, like food to eat, because they were like really driving this economic benefit to the country. Well, what happened was it created this huge African desert because the trees that are keep the, they, they provide rain and they keep the air cool and the ground cool and they provide this, like this whole cooling effect, they were gone. So, and fast forward, I mean, I don't know all the ins and outs of this, but the bottom line is what happened was now we have all this desert that we have where we can't grow stuff. People were not being able to feed people because of it. And this is something that's crazy. Those That desert is causing our hurricanes in the United States to be more intense. So it's not just what's going on in Nigeria and the surrounding countries. It affects the world. And then if you look at the Midwest, we have a big desert there as well where the soil is very thin. I mean, we're in a, we're in a crisis situation. But the cool thing is, there have been a lot of people, a lot of farmers and scientists that have shown that it doesn't take much for us to reverse this. So while we're doing all this carbon capturing engineering and all these cool tools that we're, you know, people are trying to come up with, there is something right here under our feet that can be done that isn't so complicated. And it's just going to you know, common sense practices. And farmers who have put into place regenerative farming practices in place of chemicals have been become more profitable. They produce more and it costs them less because chemicals are expensive. So there's the economic benefit there. Plus, we've because we do mass distribution of our food, we really rely on small pockets of geography to, to give us all of the nutrition for the country. 
California's, you know, by far our biggest producer of produce. And then you have the big four processing plants for meats. And it's crazy because the fact of the matter is we can grow food in every state in the United States. So if you eat local, you're not shipping it as far. And I believe that, um, I think last time we talked, you said something about we lose our nutritional content by 50%. Well, guess what? The nutrition in these um, soil depleted areas is really like 90%. It's depleted by 90%. So it's only 10% of what it was before. So even though we're eating calories or eating food, we're not getting what we should be from it. So it's so complicated, but the, the solution is simple. That's what's so cool is that we don't have to keep going down the road of, of, you know, humans engineering and packaging and distributing, um, processing and distributing our food. We could do it locally, but we just have to teach people how. And that's where Culinary comes in. I love it. Yeah. So it's educational, it's marketing, it's community-based. The platform does a lot of really, really great things to kind of educate and inform that. I'm curious um, with the with the application, what you have, I don't want to get too far ahead kind of in the future because I want to talk about, you know, the app in and of itself, right? But I love how just when you talk about the application being the solution, right? Because you talk about economic benefit, right? It's great for the farmers. It's less costs, right? It helps local communities and the local economy go because you're buying local, right? You have the nutritional base benefit because you're not losing all of those nutrients in transportation or sitting on store shelves for a long time. You're getting unique fruits and vegetables, which are, as you mentioned yeah, before. Yeah, we can bring back our heritage foods, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. Things that have been lost. Yeah, yeah. So you have yeah. all that. And then, of course, that's a health benefit. You know, obviously, we have a problem in the U.S. today with our, our health. We're just, quite frankly, an unhealthy country when you look at some things. And that's not particularly great. So tell us a little bit more about Colinear what it does. I know that you had mentioned before that it's a platform where they can kind of come in and share recipes and stuff, but you talk about kind of education as well. Is that something that you hope to really implement into this business and company? Yes. We have uh, 10 recipe creators and some of them are professional chefs who are super um, passionate about eating local, buying local. And so they, they, we've taught, we just had a meeting this week and they said they want to have like where they could show people like little video clips. So in the app, if you have a recipe, it'll be like, okay, Julianne. And then we'll have like a little clip where it'll show you how to Julianne. Or, um, you know, like when you make whipped cream and they say until you have stiff, stiff peaks, well, what does that mean? You know, like exactly. So we can show them we're doing, so that kind of stuff. But then there's also some of the basic stuff. Like I think people during COVID got really excited about doing the basics, like growing sourdough starter, but it's scary because if you've never done it before. So we have a group that is working on that and we want to expand that. And then it's not just our professional people who are going to do this, but it's people helping people. So it's this community, like any community, you know, you can ask of the community, Hey, does anybody know how, and then get answers. And that's the best part of it is that we can all just become um, more aware of each other cooking and help each other and learn from each other. But, you know, I, I think culinary is just a piece. We're just like this bridge, the real, the real exciting thing for me, and I'm so honored to be affiliated with them, are these farmers who are, some of them didn't grow up in a farming community, didn't grow up in a farming family, and they 
going out, they're buying land, they're learning how, and they're making a difference. And then the people who are making, you know, even if it costs more, making that decision to buy that way, those are the people that are making a difference. All we're doing is providing a framework for things to happen, to, that, that final piece that's missing. That's what we're doing. And I'm humbled to be part of it. Um, and I hope we can contribute in a positive way. Absolutely. I mean, you mentioned too the the big thing about maybe you have to spend a little bit more money on, you know, local foods and produce and things of that nature as well, right? Well, you know, there's also the studies that show that in the 60s and 70s, you know, in the US, Americans were spending 16% on food, 8% on healthcare. Well, that number is now reversed. So we are spending more money on our on healthcare, about 16% less on our food. Is it a coincidence? Perhaps. I don't know, but I certainly, I don't think so. I think that there's a correlation there as well on that front. So that's something to really consider too, is, you know, even if you have to spend a little bit more, think of it kind of like an investment in your health, an investment in kind of the local communities as well, which I think will justify that. But, you know, it's a little bit hard to do so when you got I, I agree with you. And, and I have to say that there was a research done that I am, I didn't write down the study, but I, I read a lot and wish I'd written it down for things like this. But the people in the uh, inner city poor, they value local food. So I think the motivation is there. It's just making it work. And I know SNAP benefits can be used for farm direct purchases. So people who don't have a lot of money can still get quality food and, and help themselves in with their health. And without your health, what do you have? Right. There's like all the other stuff doesn't matter. You, you have nothing without your health. Quite literally, your body is everything. Uh, if your body is not functioning well, then you will, will not be functioning well yourself. So it's really important to take care of that. And I want to know a little bit, too, to learn about some ways that you're kind of marketing this, right, and trying to bring this out and create awareness, right, so people can see it and so people can actually kind of get more educated, use this platform, and start kind of changing their lives a little bit to help the local economy, help those farmers, help the environment with regenerative farming practices and no soil tilling and all those types of things. And then, um, you know, help themselves with some better quality food, because I know that's one thing you talked about, you know, inner cities and, you know, typically the poor areas there. Uh, that's also the one of the number one places that places like McDonald's and Coca-Cola advertise and market towards, right? So how do you kind of combat that and, and create more education around that and more branding awareness? Obviously, I know marketing is a whole thing, so you got a whole lot to, to work on there, but just curious to see some of the, the things that you're doing in this moment. I do believe that Culinary can help with that as well because it's a free app. So, and we talked about the big farmer for the big farm um, you know, you have big grocery stores, big production companies, big farms, but it, they don't want to have, pro they, it's not profitable for them to put a big grocery store in an inner city, poor inner city area, or in a very poor rural area either. So those are where we see food deserts. And local farmers can serve those markets quite well. And I know I've talked to people in like Baltimore and Philadelphia who work with like local farm markets that are in the city. And it's the same challenge as, you know, those who grew up in a suburban, maybe even an affluent market where, you know, you're used to the convenience, you're used to a certain way of eating and 
and you need education to, to make a shift. And I think the motivation is there, but it's like, can we, can we help people get over that hump? So it, it doesn't matter. I mean, if where you are, if Culinary is a free app and what we're doing right now is we're reaching out to farmers directly who sell this way, sell direct to consumer, and we're trying to get them to come on board and then invite their customers. So it's a really low cost way of marketing and it really does build that community. They already have their customer base and what we want to do is help them be more successful. So that's our number one marketing thing. We're not really going out to the masses and trying to like spend tons of money on ind getting individuals to download the app because we don't have, we don't have it. <laughs> we don't have that kind of money. And I don't think it's going to be authentic. I think this is doing, you supporting the local communities around the farms is consistent with what our goal is. And it's also allows us to do this in an authentic, organic way. Yeah. And, and I also think you got to have the farmers, right, in order to make the app go. So yes. if you're not you're not creating that ecosystem of, of a, a large amount of local farmers and building that time up, I mean, even if you get all these people to download the app and then there's not enough, uh, there's too much demand, not enough supply. Classic problem. So, you know, it's one of those things I think is important as well. You mentioned the farmers. Uh, you mentioned talking with them quite a lot and, you know, empowering them in a way. What has their response been to you? What types of conversations are you having with them? And, and what are kind of the, what are they saying about the app? What are they saying about the process and things of that nature from their perspective? Yeah, so we worked with, um, well, there was a couple that used so Culinary 1.0, which is a consumer facing. And then we have Culinary 2.0, which has the community features for the farmer, which we just released a couple weeks ago. And we did that with the input of six farmers one in Atlanta, one in Maryland, one West Virginia, one in Oklahoma, and a couple others. And so we we wanted to make sure that this was going to serve them and not what we thought they needed, but actually make, make it life easier for them. So we have, you know, where they can create their community, they can start to put recipes up, they, there's announcements and chat, and we also gave them, we're also giving them a marketing toolkit. So it's literally plug and paste play. So they have like flyers that they can put in their boxes. They have emails that they can send out. So literally just sign up, add some content and go. And then instead of having to like navigate Instagram instant message and trying to put stuff up on Facebook or, and then find recipes, print them out. They're able to just do this on one platform. The ho I hope though, that they're a little firm, like they should tell their customers, this is where you can find recipes for us instead of saying, well, if you feel like it, you know, because you know, how that is they, people, then they're going to end up doing our working on our platform and everybody else's. So the idea is to like streamline that communication for them. Um, one thing that we didn't expect is they wanted web. So we're working on the web um, now. We just started that um, more than mobile because some of them are really rural and their mobile's weak. So I didn't expect that. And the other thing I didn't expect was for so many of them to be livestock. We have more livestock farmers excited about this than we do produce. And I didn't expect that. But it goes in line with what you said. It's like this misnomer that I, I saw a farmer post this on Instagram it's not the cow, it's the how. So cows in and of themselves aren't causing us greenhouse, greenhouse problems. It's the way they're raised. So regenerative farms that raise cattle or sheep or 
chickens or whatever, they are doing it in a way that actually there was a study done in a farm in Atlanta. They did a life cycle study and the um, regenerative farm produced less greenhouse gas than Beyond Beef, almost equal, and way less than um, factory farming. That is amazing. Yeah, regenerative farming is incredibly powerful. And again, it goes down to the soil. I mean, I read a book, I highly recommend this book called Food Fix. You and I have talked about this, but uh, for those listening, there's this book uh, called Food Fix by Dr. Mark Hyman, I believe is his name. And it talks about kind of everything that we're talking about in this book about, you know, societal impacts, lobbying issues at government, environmental impacts, all that. And, you know, the soil is, is a very powerful way for regenerative farming and things of that nature as well. So I encourage people to kind of check out that book as well. But going back to kind of what you're talking about, I like that uh, farmer saying, All right, it's not the cow, it's the how. Um, that's very good. Talking about the livestock stuff, it, what types of challenges come with that? I mean, I don't know a lot about it, but I would imagine there might be like regulations and things of that nature from a government level to just bring straight livestock to table. I don't really know how that works on that sense. Is that something that is difficult to move around on the on the platform or, or how does that work? On the culinary platform? Yeah, we're just working with the farmers to get them to like to send that type of product out i mean is it does it need to be regulated or well so we're not we don't um actually do any kind of e-commerce so that there's a lot of farms out there that and other platforms that do that we hope to partner with we're more about the information on how to use so one of the things the livestock farmers really like is that going along with sustainability and food waste we don't eat the whole animal like you should like when you if you want to respect an animal in life and death, you really shouldn't be, what we, we should, really should not be wasting it. So in other cultures, they'll eat the whole animal. And in our culture, we consider a lot of that stuff gross. Like people, ooh, I can't eat that. So, but it's it's not very, it's it's very wasteful and it's um, it's not respecting that animal for what they've provided to us. So a lot of farmers are looking like, for instance, organ meat, they want, you know, to give people ways to use organ meat that isn't just liver and onions, but, you know, waste, it's nutritionally dense and um, you can incorporate that into your diet. So those are things that I know, like my, there's a bison farmer who's been a real advocate of culinary. She's in West Virginia, Riffle Farms. I'll give her a shout out. Um, she's amazing. She's really pushing for you know, she has a, another platform called the Honest Carnivore, teaching farmers how to, you know, sustainably grow animals. And um, that's, I know, a big push of hers is like, let's get people to eat the organ meat, not just the steak. And um, she's growing bison because there's a lot of regulations, and especially with beef and chicken and poultry, I mean, uh, um, hogs, there's, there's a lot of regulation and it it's it's crazy like there's a beef farm cattle farmer on our platform who it lives in Oklahoma the closest processing plant to her cuz you have to have a USDA certified person on staff on site when they when they process the meat um so the closest one to her is across state lines so she can't bring that meat back to her state to sell it to her local people and then there's other stuff i've seen um, she's talked about it and other people have talked about it where um, we're importing a lot of meat 
they mix it with U.S. meat and then they sell it as U.S. grown. So that's kind of crazy too because we're exporting a lot of our, our, our prime meat, importing lesser quality meat, mixing it with ours, and then we think we're getting this great meat that's U.S. grown and it's not. So there's a lot of stuff going on that people should be concerned about. Like, do we really need to import our meat from China or Australia when we grow it in every state? I didn't really, yeah, I didn't really know the extent of that. So that's pretty fascinating. But, you know, Jody, as well, I, I want to talk about kind of your the business side of things briefly as well, just kind of about where you're at with the company, what challenges you've been facing and where you kind of hope to take it here in the new, near future as we're into quarter two. We launched Culinary 2.0, which is the community, the business, the professional side of the platform. We've got 40 people on a wait list of 40 farmers, and we're looking forward to bringing them on board. That's what we're working on right now. And we're looking for investment. But it's interesting because I just saw an article on TechCrunch that said that the food uh, tech space is really hot, but most of it is going toward, most of the investment is going toward faux meat, faux dairy. And that concerns me because it's like, we have two different things here. Like there's this idea that we can't feed the world, but the fact of the matter is, I think we can feed the world. We just can't feed the world doing what we've been doing. So I think more man, I personally don't like the idea of lab grown meat. I'm not opposed to like vegan meat. If people want to eat that, I mean, you're using vegetables and you're making something that looks like meat, but I don't know. I just feel like personally, I feel like we should go back to basics and let mother nature decide what our nutritional content is instead of something in a lab or a Petri dish. But it's a challenge. Um, I think I'm not, I think something, our platform, it's a $70 billion market. We have the potential of becoming 140, 200 million, a billion dollar business. We could be a unicorn, but I don't get a lot of excitement from investors when I reach out. And then I see that they're investing in lab grown meat, which I'm thinking you have a pretty high failure potential there. <laughs> like how about invest in me? Cause I'm pretty sure we can make this a billion dollar business. <laughs> I don't know. And then the whole female founded thing. I know I don't like to hang my hat on that. I don't want people to invest in me because I'm a female, but I also don't want them to not invest because I'm a female, which is crazy. Yeah, that is. That's quite ridiculous. And you're hundred percent right. You know, that when you look at the stats in terms of percentage of investment only went down during COVID and things of that nature, but you know, that's certainly uh, another issue that needs to be solved and, and hopefully will going forward. You know, I'm curious as well, you know, when it, from an investment per standpoint, you made the comment earlier about tech space and carbon capture, you know, I, I think to be honest with you, I think some of our issue is just us and our natural human intuition uh, in nature you know, we get really excited about tech, especially today in, in the world that we live in, right? And lab-grown meat is basically, you know, tech-oriented in that sense, right? I mean, you're producing, you're creating and cultivating something that's not really real based off cells, you know? And so I think too that with, you, you know, maybe a challenge that you might have is yours is just kind of too simple and easy, you know? It's just kind of like support like your local farmer, it's just like you a know? Grassroots, right. There's no innovation, it's, right? It's, it's, it's quite grounded. literally from the grass, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I think that that's also a bit of an issue and something that I would like us to kind of 
move away from. Obviously, I'm a tech guy. I love tech. I think it's innovative and there's a purpose for it as well. But, um, you know, I tend to agree. And, and this just could be me not knowing enough about lab grown meat, and which is fair. I don't know a lot about it. But the idea of growing something uh, from a cell versus instead of just utilizing the animal and using conservation and proper livestock practices to ensure the health of the species and then, you know, utilizing the natural Mother Earth's ecosystem seems to make a little bit more sense. And has proven to be a healthy method. Yeah, and I'm a scientist too. Like I, I have a science background. I get very excited about technology, and I think the science behind some of the things that's that people are doing in these companies is cool, and I no problem with that. But at the same time, you know, like we are what we've been talking about is soil health, right? So it's not so much about what we eat; it's what we eat eats. So Food that's grown with, you know, really rich soil has more nutrition and it's healthier for us. If you, whatever you're, whatever, if you eat animals, whatever that animal eats is going to affect the nutritional content of that, that meat. So I'm not exactly sure how we're going to be able to reproduce that in a lab because we still don't know a lot about this. I mean, if you look at like the work that Suzanne Simmera did, she was like the one that the mother tree, she did this work in Canada with forest. And she literally, this is in recently, we, we, I mean, I was a biology major and we learned about a lot of stuff, you know, the microorganisms and the tree and the, the, the trees talking to each other and all that stuff. But we really didn't understand it until she did her work within the last you know, decade. And now we're starting to understand that how powerful the root system is and how important it is. And so I, I just find like, it's a little, um, what's the word? It's it, well, like, we're thinking a lot of ourselves to think that we can do better than nature. And, uh, I don't think we know enough. I don't think human race knows enough. Um, I think it's cool to try. I think it's cool to, 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 you know, forge forward with science. I'm all about science, but I also think at the same time, we don't have to go that far to fix some stuff. I think we can be very basic. And like you said, it's just not sexy. Like culinary, culinary helps farmers be successful. And what we're doing is tech. We've got, you know, machine learning in there. We've got a lot of cool stuff going on behind the scenes. But the fact of the matter is, um, it's it's not as sexy as, you know, growing cells exactly uh, and that's i think you know it just the way the humans think and the investor you know it's just the way it goes i guess unfortunately with it but uh you know going forward here as we you know kind of a rolling within this podcast episode jody i want you to have an opportunity to really just kind of promote your platform a little bit you know like how are ways that what are ways that people can do obviously it's available on mobile you are working on the web app types of things what are ways that people can get involved with the app even if there might not be a farmer or what are some ways that they can support the company and help grow it and things of that nature as a consumer, if you want to download the app, it's free. You can use it even if there's not a farmer near you. Um, if you buy from a farmer directly, you can introduce us to them. That would be wonderful. You can create your own little community where you can share recipes with your friends and get excited about that. As an investor, we just opened our seed round and we're looking for investors who are excited about regenerative farming and fixing our food and climate issues to join us in this mission. And um, 
And then if you're a farmer, we would love to talk to you and have you be part of our ecosystem. And then recipe creators as well. We, like I said, we have some recipe creators that are really phenomenal and we'll be expanding that as well. So we got this cool ecosystem that creates community around food, P- recipe creators, people who produce the food and people who eat it. And um, there's nothing on the, nothing like culinary out there. Everything else that's out there is primarily designed to promote a brand or to solve an individual problem. So um, I hope, I hope the community grows and that's the most basic way you can help is just join our community. Awesome. And within that community, can you just detail a little bit about how the the app kind of works? Like, do you follow these farmers? Do you follow people who are creating recipes? Can you like, you know, what, what's kind of the engagement feature of the, the app and, and to inform uh, the audience? All of the above. So right now we, on the consumer side, we have like an Instagram type feed where people that post new recipes, they, that all comes up on the feed. Eventually, this summer, we'll be personalizing that. That's where some of the machine learning will come in. It'll kind of be like Spotify. We'll learn what you like, um, but we have to get there. So right now you can just, if you see somebody that posts something, you can like them, you can follow them, and you'll get notifications if they add new recipes. And then on the community side, you can follow a farmer, join their community, learn about what they do, and uh, support them and what they're and what they're working on. Love it. Fantastic. That's where the support comes in, oh, right? And you can share grocery lists too. My husband and I do this. We create a grocery list and that way it's not like, what do you need at the store? I'll be stopping or don't ask me and stop at the store. And I'm like, oh, I wish I had told me, somebody had told me you were going, but yeah. So you could share shopping lists too. <laughs> there we go. That's going to be the feature that really blows it up. Right. And go solve that problem. Right. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> it's a huge problem. Awesome. Yeah. Jody, would you like to add anything else in regards to your platform, in regards to the issue surrounding it in terms of an educational perspective or just anything else around this conversation that you may feel like maybe that we missed or something? I think that the big thing is like, I think if everybody were to just take some time and learn about one thing about the food system that they didn't know before and then take action on it, we there are things that happen in the United States that were not were rejected in other countries because they were proven to be unhealthy, cause cancer, do this, do that. And we can reverse this. It's really super important. It will only happen when people demand it. So it's too profitable. There's too much government uh, lobbyist for it to happen without, you know, the population just saying, we need to make this change. Bingo. I agree. I mean, again, I recommend that the food fix book, just whatever you can do to kind of educate yourself around some of this, you know, uh, join the culinary community. Uh, and you're certainly going to get some of that information as well. Uh, there are lots of ways, but I highly recommend that you do a little bit of research because, you know, food is incredibly important. I mean, it's culture. It's a part of all of our famous meals. It's our holidays. I mean, family get togethers, everything is centered around food. And, you know, everybody loves sweets and sugar and, and all that type of stuff. And, you know, there's definitely a time and place for that, for sure. Everything in moderation, but uh, you got to enjoy life a little bit. But in the grand scheme of things, you know, if you can get some local fresh produce instead of getting something shipped in from, for example, I don't know, um, a, a faraway state from you or in like you had mentioned earlier, a different country, 
things of that nature as well, that's not going to be as good for you as a locally fresh source nutritional food. So definitely recommend trying to find a way to connect with local farmers, utilize those platforms, connect with your friends, have some fun with it, if you will. It's cooks yes. as well. Home cooks, everybody likes, you know, well, not everybody, but a lot of people that are into food like to cook. And so it's a good fun community aspect to it as well. So Jody, I, I would like to just thank you so much for coming on the platform and discussing this with me. I feel like we probably could have discussed for another hour plus, you know, there's so much to talk about on that front, but I very much uh, thank you for your time. Thank you. I really appreciate it, Will. That is Jody Frank. She is the founder of Culinier. It's a fantastic platform. It's an application format where local farmers and home cooks connect. If you're a farmer listening, you definitely want to get in on this as well. And then, of course, if you are just a community member and whatnot, and you want to learn some more about the platform, you can find it on uh, your mobile applications through the app stores that are available coming to a web-based application platform near you. You can also go to Culinier app dot com to get more information regarding it. And then, of course, you can follow uh, the company on social media as well. And of course, we'll have all those links available for you um, throughout the week that this episode is launched on our Instagram page and then also on our website as well. So you can get more access to them. So that will wrap up this edition of the podcast. And as always, appreciate a review if you are ever to be so kind. And you can leave that here on Apple or Spotify uh, or on YouTube. Drop a comment, give a thumbs like up button if you uh, are watching uh, the podcast episode as well. So hope everybody has a great rest of your week and highly encourage you to check out the food ecosystem as well. So I'll take care and I will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Talking Solutions with the Chesh podcast. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode, and you can find out more about our featured guests and their solutions on our Talking Solutions podcast Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube channels as we focus on highlighting individuals providing solutions to social problems and bringing optimism to the world.